The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So does anyone else get really excited about this time of year, the Christmas time of year? This is my favorite season of the year, and it's because I like how cheery and bright it gets. I love that as I walk down Main Street in Port Orchard, or as I drive through neighborhoods, I get to see lights and tinsel and garland and toy soldiers and snowmen, and I get to eat chocolate-covered oranges. I get to eat candy canes. I get to enjoy my friends and family, and we get to spend time together. And that's incredible, and it's, and it's a great time. And maybe if you're like me, you will start to adjust your radio station to 106.9. And although they play the same 10 songs over and over and over again, we'll continually find a way to have joy in that. And so the other day, while I was driving down the street, and I was actually en route to coming to work, I had my warm cup of coffee in hand, and this song, which came on the radio, 106.9, they should probably pay me for saying this, um, came on, and it was that song, Do You Hear What I Hear? And as the words became so melodious and beautiful in my ears, there was a line in the song that really struck my heart and it brought me to a place of wonder. And I'd like to read it for you because if I sang it, you would probably leave. (laughs) Said the king to the people everywhere, listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. He will bring us goodness and light. So this child laying in the manger, this beautiful baby Jesus, who is so precious and small, was going to bring us this goodness and light And what does that mean? What is the light that this song is speaking of? Does anyone remember when you were a kid and you would lay in bed and whatever your routine was, which I'm sure they were similar to some extent, but we might have had our own thing where our parents either sang to us, read to us, read Bible stories to us. Whatever that looks like, they would eventually leave the room And us being creative children, we would start to just think, what are they doing when we're not up? And so our excuses would start to multiply of why we couldn't go to bed. One might be because I'm not tired yet. Usually they're always tired. I have kids, I know. So the second one is that all of a sudden I need a glass of water. Because I'm thirsty. Or maybe it's just that we want to see what's going on because we are so curious 
about what adult life is when we go to bed. So as I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about everything that took place, another common childhood occurrence occurred to me, and I was like, interesting. So after all of our excuses ran out, and we were laying in bed, a lot of times, if you guys remember, the darkness would start to creep in, and it would start to fill our room, and then all of a sudden we saw things at the edge of our bed that we didn't notice before, or there was something in the closet, or there was a thing peering through the window, or a shape that we couldn't explain, or a creaky noise, and so we started to freak out, and what did we do? This is the excuse we would do. Help! There's something in my room! And we would freak out. And our parents would hear it in the room over. And you know, if you had a dad like me, he'd be like, there's nothing in your room, go to sleep. Lay down. Go to bed. You know, and you would hear that. But then something would happen that would like further increase our fear. And we would be like, no, 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 something's in here. Dad, mom, help. And so mom, usually the softy, would then nudge dad and say, honey, go into their room and just, just turn the light on. Show them what's in their room so that they can go to sleep. And, and so you'd hear his loud steps as he would come down the hall or come over to your room, and he would open the door, and he would either come with a flashlight if he was fun. You're, you're still fun if you turn the light on. I'm not going to... It won't just be because of a flashlight. Okay, so you also might have had him come in and he might have just flipped the light on. And what happened was this light illuminated everything in your bedroom. And what you thought was like this dinosaur-shaped thing with like these sharp teeth were actually a baseball hat with a bent brim on top of a baseball bat. So you had a hat on a bat, right? And then... The thing that you were most scared of, like that, that image on the wall, maybe it was just how the moonlight hit your silver reflective sticker, which was for me, that was supposed to tell you there was a children, child in the house in case of a fire. And it would put something on the wall that would scare you. But you would realize, because the light had illuminated every corner of that room and every inch of that room, that what was hidden there was not able to hide anymore, that now you were living in the truth and so you could confidently go to bed. And in that same way, as we heard that song, and as we're going to look in 1 John 1.5 this morning, we are going to see that Jesus is the light, the very flashlight of God that brings light to all things concerning God the Father, and as he reveals himself to us, we, in our darkness, become exposed and we give him our praise. And because of our condition, see him as he truly is. And we are able to serve him. <clears throat> so for some cultural context, this morning, if you're following along in the Read Scripture app, you know that we have come such a long way, and we are in, we are in somewhere in the neighborhood of 1 John, and we are coming upon that, and it's amazing 
Um, so if that's you, great job. And if that's not you, that's okay. Jump in today because we need to be people who are just so excited about the word. And it has, it has nothing to do with whether you missed a day or not. It's that we're reading and we're enjoying Jesus together. And so I'm encouraging you that if you are not with us this morning, that's okay. Jump in because we, we just want to be excited about scripture together. So 1 John is the first of three letters that John, the son of Zebedee, has written. This is the same John who, with his brother James, were local fishermen. And Jesus had approached them one day and said, follow me. And if you remember, they dropped their nets and they followed. This is the same John who spent time with Jesus as his apostle, which means appointed by God. And the same John who also is mentioned as a disciple, which means that he learned and he spent time with Jesus, seeing how he lived and imitating that in his life. In other places, he's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John 19.26. And John is also the author of John and Revelation. So we see this letter that he's writing. He's writing this letter to seven churches, which are the churches of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea around somewhere in AD 85 through 95. And the reason that he was writing this letter was because at this time, there were some specific forms of false teaching that had entered the church. And they dealt with mainly this idea that anything of matter, like our bodies, or anything that, that is physical matter was evil, and that anything that was purely spirit was good. And so the five things that would pop up in these teachings that just weren't true. I wanted to highlight these for you so you'd have a better idea of what we're talking about. Is that man's body was evil and that God being completely spirit was good. And why that's wrong is because Jesus was fully God and fully man. So if they focused on the spirit of God, they were taking away him being a man and you can't do that. Salvation was an escape from the body. You could only receive salvation once your spirit was fully removed from your physical body. The idea that Christ's spirit entered Christ the man upon baptism and then left before death on the cross. And that again focused on Jesus' spirit. And why that was wrong is because we know that in body form he had to be crushed and he had to die. So that when he was raised from the dead that he and his physical body had victory, ultimate victory over sin and separation and darkness. And because of that we do in our physical bodies as we press into Jesus. Amen? And then the, the next thing is that people thought they had a license to sin because it didn't matter what happened in your mortal body because it was irrelevant, because it was evil anyways. So you could do what you want without consequence of what that does to your relationship with God. And then five, it was that salvation was found when men had found the inner light of their soul, which is trash, okay? without Jesus. So John found this to be incredibly problematic, and me personally, I do too, and so should you guys, 
because he was trying to write this letter to the church so that they would see that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God and that holiness, righteousness, anything that concerns salvation in the spirit comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? And so the big idea I want you to get this morning is that Jesus is the light that reveals God's nature and our human condition. And the question I want you to ask yourself is, have I seen Jesus? Can we pull 1 John 1, five up here through 10? So this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So in order for us to understand this whole passage, we first have to see what it means that God is light. And if we can pull up John 1, 4 through 9, we kind of get this glimpse of what John is talking about. And it is, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This baby Jesus, this child, the child sleeping in the night that was coming to bring goodness and light is Jesus. And if you're not convinced, then I want to look at John 8, 12, where it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God's light is Jesus, and Jesus is revealing to us God's nature and our human condition. And John, as he starts to tell us these things, he said, Jesus is revealing three things that you need to know and three claims that you personally cannot make. And we're going to look at those. So if we could focus in on 1 John 1, 6. The first claim is that we cannot claim to be in fellowship with him if we continue to live in sin. And so if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And it's very easy for us, if you're like me, a worrier, who sees that and go, well, I don't always live in the truth. I don't always do what is right. I mean, I lost my temper with my wife yesterday. That's not a true story. That's just an example. And so, like, you, and so we start to live and think, well, maybe every other second I do something, it would take me in and out of favor with God. And then all of a sudden, the promise of Jesus and what Jesus has done is not for me anymore. And that's not what this is saying at all. Can we pull up the next verse? 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And when, I, when, I, when we look at this, what I want you to see and what I want you to think is not a person who is making a mere mistake or an accident or a lapse of judgment but a person who is actively pursuing a life of sin. It is somebody who is living and saying that they follow Jesus, but they live in a way where what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. That it's not just, again, like I said, a mere lapse in judgment, but a, but a consistent rejection of God and acceptance of a life of sin. It is to walk apart and separated from God. So that's a good story for us because for those of us that that fall short and we hear that, we're like, man, God is a sustaining God because he loves us and he showed us that love through Jesus. But when when we are walking in darkness, as Jesus said, I am the light and anyone who walks in me will not walk in darkness and we walk in darkness. We're not walking with Jesus. And so we can't claim to be in a relationship with God. Apart from Jesus, we can't have that relationship. That's how that works. The second thing that I want to look at this morning is this claim that we are without sin. And the reality is that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Can we look at the next verse? Romans 3, 10 through 11. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. And the next one too. James 3, 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault and what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. And this is so simple, yet so Interesting because what this is saying is that if you prescribe to this idea that you are without sin, you believe you are perfect. And the problem with that is that Jesus came for imperfect people. And so when we think that we are something great, we are saying Jesus never had to die. Do you hear that? When we believe we're perfect and there's nothing in our lives that separates us from God, we are saying that Jesus' death on the cross was foolish. And this was probably the hardest thing for me as a young Christian to ever understand. Because when I came to Jesus, I had such a good track record. My parents bragged about me. And they said how I was the good son. I might look tattooed and rough and tough, but I'll tell you what, I was the first of my dad's sons to graduate high school. And I had never gotten arrested, and to this day I still haven't. I said the right things, I never swore. When I got in trouble at school, I was so good at being good that my dad would swear it was the problem of someone else. But when I came into relationship with Jesus and I realized the darkness in my own heart and the pride that I had lived in, 
what he revealed to me was that everything that I had done that was good doesn't impress him. And it's not enough because when I, even in my best state, give soup at a soup kitchen, there's a limit in that. And what, G- what God has given us through Jesus is without limit. It is so much greater. So my best works cannot touch what he has done in our lives. Do you understand what I'm saying here? And so that was hard because then I had to realize how much I was stretching the truth in order for my parents to give me praise and accolades. That to do that, I had to to play a certain role that according to Jesus, I can't play because I am with sin by nature. So now we're going to look at the third thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, we're going to look at the third thing. And that is, actually no, we're going to, oh yep, we, I got my papers mixed up. You guys forgive me? All right. We're going to find this. Oh yeah. Okay, here we go. So we cannot say, according to John 1.10, that we have not sinned. Because his light, Jesus, reveals when we do. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And in his word, or his, and his word is not in us. Can we, and this, and this directly deals with our obedience as people. If we claim to say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Jesus is the word by which we live. It's our actions. If we say that we love Jesus, yet we walk in a way that is apart from that, then his word can't live in us, that his promise that he has given us cannot be ours. Let's take a look at... um, Did it again. Okay, here we go. Romans 5, 15 through 17. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of that one man, Jesus, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. So right there, we are shown that through sin, which we are all sinners, and we have all sinned by not being obedient to God, that condemnation was the result of that. But that Jesus' death makes us right, and it is Jesus, his death and resurrection, that brings us into a righteous relationship with God. It was a gift, and that's the best Christmas gift I, ever, I could ever ask for. Hey. So, with all that information, how would you know if you have seen Jesus? Because you're going to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. You will live as Jesus lived. 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light as he in the light, 
we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And in another translation, it is every sin. Because if we are walking as Jesus walked and we're living in constant relationship with him, imitating him with our lives, we see him and he brings things that are in the dark to our attention. And as we see that and we bring that to God, he removes it and we become more like him. But it was him who did that. And also, something that I read this week in this, in this verse is you see that we have fellowship with one another and it just brought to mind this idea that there have been times where people have said to me that <clears throat> we should go hang out with this person. I've said, oh, well, I have nothing in common with them. But if we are under Jesus, if we are all in relationship with Jesus, that is the best thing we can have in common. And that makes a common ground stronger than any common ground we've experienced with anyone. And if we're in relationship with people that haven't experienced that, don't we want to be God's light to those people so that they can experience that and have God revealed to them and they would be brought out of darkness experiencing true healing? That's what we want. So we are going to be people that walk as Jesus walked if we have seen him. And then second, we are going to be people that confess our sins. And I want to break 1 John 1, 9 in half. Because I want to look at the first part, which is if we confess our sins. And with that, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one that confesses and renounces them finds mercy. People who have seen Jesus will confess their sin because they desperately want to be made right and whole before God. People who have seen Jesus realize that when they come to God with their sin and the pain that comes with that, God is still going to respond in mercy and gladly restore them. So when we ask God to forgive us, he does. And I put a period there and a reminder that when we have brought in something to him, that's where it's finished. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he declared power over the sin that we have. And so we're allowed to lay it there and move. It's like my dog. I have a great Dane. A lot of you guys might not know that. But he's a big dog. He's only 21 weeks old and he's about 80 pounds. Okay, And when he gets something that I don't want him to have, what do I do? Leave it! Leave it! And the minute I yell, leave it, he turns his head and he runs away. So when we bring our sin to Jesus, I'm telling you to leave it. Don't go back to it. Turn your head and walk towards Jesus. Don't make excuses. And then the third thing is that he is faithful and just and will forgive. And we have to trust that. Psalm 32, 5, that I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It isn't just that he forgives our sins. It's that we need to trust that he has done so. If Jesus the light has revealed God to us, then we know he is faithful and that when he says he is going to forgive our sins, just as, he, as God said that he was sending Jesus for us, in which he has, in that same manner that when he says, I forgive you, we are forgiven. And we need to rest our security and our identity in that. 
because it's truth. So what do we do with all that information? There's three things before we close, and it is this. I want you to spend time with Jesus. I want you to read your Bible and ask God to reveal himself in it. That when you are spending time with Jesus, you are asking God to show him who you are in light of who he is and what it is about you that he loves and what it is you need to love about him. The light. Two, look for areas of darkness in your life that you have not allowed the light to touch. This is painful. But when you see it and you come into realization when you measure yourself and you see Jesus' perfection and your inadequacy, realize that you turning and focusing on Jesus is you pursuing what God wants you to pursue, and that is the light that is found in Jesus. And then three, celebrate. Because in two weeks, we are celebrating that Jesus came to this earth and didn't leave us in our helpless state. That while all those things might point out things about our nature, there's still a truth there that we can sometimes forget, and that is that he did not leave us in that position, but that he sent Jesus, that if we believe, we would be saved and could be his and identify with God. Isn't that amazing? So let's celebrate together, and let me pray for you guys this morning. Lord, we just thank you so much for you are good and you are holy. And God, you reveal yourself to us through Jesus, your son. And we ask that as we lean into this holiday season and we get excited, God, that our hearts would just swell with joy for this baby that would grow up and be sinless. God, that would show us who we are and allow us the freedom, God, to walk as Jesus walks. We just thank you, Father, and ask that you would be with us this morning and throughout the rest of the holiday season. You are a great God. And we want to celebrate you. In your name, amen.